Good morning, everybody. Ah, oh, thank you. So nice to see you. And if we haven't met, my name is indeed Rachel, and I'm part of the team here at the Eleven. And it's it's lovely to be here. It's a bit sweaty, isn't it? I might just hold on a sec. Just trying to get a bit of cool air on me. My my Kylie Minogue. Oh, lovely. Bit of bit of air. Um, now, it's been hot this week, hasn't it? And I was out walking the dog on Friday night, and it was, it was dark, it was humid, it was hot, and everyone had their windows open and some of their doors because they're trying to get the air in. And uh, I was arrested by a beautiful sound wafting out of one of the houses on my street. And it was um, some people, I don't know them, they live further down the street, but they were playing their stringed instruments, either a quartet, it was two or three, I couldn't quite tell, but this beautiful sound was wafting out of their house down the street and people were loitering and lingering outside the house. Like, oh, we're getting a free concert here. And, um, and I loitered and lingered as well to hear it because it was so beautiful. Now, my son, one of my sons, started playing the violin, and it's, if you play it badly, it just sounds so bad. But if you get the tension right on the strings, and you know how to play it well, the violin just sounds such a beautiful, beautiful sound. And uh, today, we are talking about managing tension. We are in this series that we're in for the whole of the month of um, September, where we are talking about both and. We're talking about managing tensions that we find in the world, in, in theology, in God, and in scripture, and also in the church. And actually, Dave Mitchell is passionate about this subject, and he will be speaking every single Sunday on this topic. He's speaking tonight, so if you want to hear him, rather than, well, no, don't listen to me. If you want to hear both and, him, hit me and him, there you go, little illustration, then either come along tonight or watch online and you'll hear him um, talk on this subject tonight. So, both and. Basically, holding tension, that's where we're going. And in scripture, we see this, this, this tension. We see God, who is one God, but also three. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's a tension to manage and to hold. He's not either one or either three. He is both. He is both and. We see it in Jesus. Jesus was fully God, divine, but also, Scripture says, he was fully human. He is both. He's both and. And I think we have to be really sort of careful that we don't get entrenched, especially when we're talking about stuff around church. It's either this or it's that. It can't be both. Because actually, I think we do scripture a disservice. We get entrenched in positions that often we don't know how to get out of. And also, it closes often as down to hearing and listening to other people that we might not necessarily agree with, but we need to allow them to be heard, and we need to listen to, to their viewpoints. So I'm going to be talking about both and church. And I don't know how you feel about tension. I mean, there's different types of tension, isn't there? There's tension, which is like, oh, I've got a really bad tension headache. Not good. Take some paracetamols. And there's tension that can be creative and can bring us to a good outcome. And it reminded me when I was preparing the sermon of um, a situation that I was in last year where I was asked to help mediate in a relationship between two people that had um, broken down. And these people had been really good friends, but some stuff had happened, and they just could not move past what had happened. 
And so um, I'd been praying for them and praying about it, and I wasn't quite sure what my role should be. And then they came to me and said, could you mediate? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> tension. And I thought, this is a tension to manage, a tension to navigate. And then we, ar- we arranged to meet up. They came to my house. And you could feel the tension in the room. I was tense. <laughs> they were tense. <laughs> we were all a bit tense. But actually, it turned into a brilliant, beautiful hour where each of them was heard, each of them listened, each of them was understood. They offered and received forgiveness for what had gone on, and we shared communion together. So from that really difficult, broken relationship, tension that was sort of bubbling out in other ways, came this incredible sort of creative, healing, beautiful thing. And that's where I want to kind of start us off, I guess, as I talk about both and church. That tension is not necessarily bad. Tension can be really creative, can be really good, can lead us to good things. I've got three areas that I want to talk about um, as we think about both and as we think about handling tension. And the first thing is church should both be a light and visible and, and uh, yes, yeah, seen, but we should also be kind of unseen. Salty. Salt and light. They're two analogies that scripture uses. I think there's a slide that might come up. There we go. Salt and light. How can you be both salt and light? How can you be really visible, but also kind of invisible? Well, scripture says that we, as the community of God's people, should be both. Let's read some verses. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on the foot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." Now, here at Woody's, we want to be a big church. I mean, we are, we're pretty full this morning. It's lovely to see you all. We want to be a big church. We want to be visible to the city. We don't want to be the only church in the city. We want to work in partnership with all the churches in the city. We want to be friends with everyone. We want to celebrate unity. But we want to be this big, vibrant church so that we can be visible, so that God can get the glory, so that people can find us, so people can Google church, and they'll find us. Some of you here might have Googled us, seen us online, and pitched up. We are so glad that you've done that and that you're here. And if this is your first time in church or second time or you feel really new, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this congregation today because you are really so welcome. But we want to be a light. We want to be a light in the city. We want to make Jesus famous We want people everywhere to know that Jesus is real, he's authentic, he's changing lives. He's got a a message, we want to hold out a message of hope and the message of the gospel and the message of truth for every single person in this city of Bristol. Is that crazy or not? It is a bit crazy, isn't it? But we want every street to know somebody in them, in it, that knows Jesus. Every workplace to have somebody in it that knows Jesus, not just from this church, but from any church. But here, we want to be big, we want to be visible, we want to be a light, but we also want to be salty. 
We want to be people that are potent, that bring flavor to every situation and every scenario that we find ourselves in, in our workplaces, when we're scattered around the city, doing our thing Monday to Friday. We don't want to just live for the weekend, live for Sunday, live for Saturday. We want to be gospel, Jesus-loving people wherever he places us, bringing flavor, kind of mixing up the, the atmosphere so that who we are and how we behave and how we react and how we respond prompts people to consider that there's more to life than just what we see and feel. That in our workplaces, we can be salty. We want to be scattered. We want to be church on a Sunday, big, but we want to be in midweek communities. We want to be small. We want to be all over the city gathering and be known so that we know others and others know us. So that when you walk in on a Sunday and you scan the room and think, oh my gosh, so many people, there'll be people in this place that know you and people that you know. And that's why we love big, but we also really love small. Question for you, how salty are you in your workplace, in your context? Do you feel like you are kind of adding the flavor wherever you find yourself? Or do you feel like the flavor is so strong you can't possibly bring anything to the mix? So I want to encourage you and say you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And what you bring to your context, God can really use. You might not be able to speak of Jesus. You might be in a work context where it's just not allowed. It's impossible. You might work at the NHS or you might be in education or a context where you can't actually stand up in the staff room and go, I oh, <coughs> just want to kind of just give my little five-minute sermon. You know, you get kicked off staff. But how you are with people, how you behave, how you speak about others, how you control your temper, whether you don't join in with the gossip, whether you're forgiving and loving and encouraging, speaking words of life and truth. That's about being salty. Secondly, church needs both good leadership, but also everyone's a minister. Now, leadership is really important. We see that in the world, don't we? Yeah, we need to follow the leader. Ultimately, the leader is Jesus. But churches and this church, we want to celebrate and work towards and be diligent about creating a culture of good leadership and being good leaders from the kind of, I say the top, it's not really the top, you know, from Dave Mitchell down or around or spreading out that all of us can be authentic leaders, Good leadership is crucial. There's a verse in Hebrews that I just want to read to you guys. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. There's accountability ultimately as leaders to Jesus. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. I've got to be honest and say it is an absolute joy. Not just saying this because you're in the room. It's an absolute joy to be a leader at Woodlands. I count it the, the, probably the most highest privilege of my life, apart from being a wife to Martin and parents to my children. It is a joy to lead here. This is a wonderful community to be a part of. I've been a part of many churches over the years, because I'm quite old, and um, I love being part of... So this hair is really annoying me. <laughs> I um, count it an absolute privilege to serve this community and... Yeah, to do what I can and bring what I can into the mix here. I'm very aware that 
bad leadership in church is absolutely terrible. And when, it, when bad leadership goes really wrong in church, when leadership goes really bad and wrong in church, the fallout and the chaos and the damage and the pain and the heartache is absolutely terrible. And yet we see it far too often. Churches like this church, friends of mine, people that I've known who have then become, or it's come up, there's toxic leadership. Or there's leadership which is inauthentic. Or what you see on the stage is not who they are behind the stage. And I'm so aware that we want to create and continue to create a culture of good leadership. And, yeah, it's, it's a weighty thing. Because there is accountability ultimately to Jesus, but there's also accountability to you. Because it's not just about leadership. Everyone is involved in playing their part in the church. It's not just about leaders. Everyone's invited. And there's a verse that I want to read that, that summarizes that on my next slide. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We are all priests. We believe here in the priesthood of all believers. It's not just special people set apart. We are all set apart to play our part and to lead and to bring our gifts and our contributions into the mix. And there's tension there because it's not always easy to do that in a big church. Sometimes I speak to people and they're like, I don't really know how to bring my gift into the mix. I think I've got this gift. I think I'm wired in this way. I think God wants me to do this. But I can't find my way in. I can't find how to do it and how to bring what I think God has put me in, in a place where I can serve. And actually, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> You've got to get better at that. And I think if there's tensions there amongst you, please speak to us. Go speak to Dave. <laughs> speak to all of us. <laughs> speak to us. Let's journey together. Let's try and work it out. Let's try and figure out a way forward so that we can allow space for everybody to bring their contribution to the mix. Because it's not just about having good leaders. It's about everyone being involved and everyone playing our part. You know, 1 Peter, I just read 1 Peter 2.9, didn't I? It's like we've all got to bring our gifts. We're all part of the mix. We've all got to be part of what God is doing here. And uh, let's work together. Let's work together for the good of the church, for the good of the city, for the good of our communities, so that Jesus is known. Not so we have a great club here, but so that Jesus is known in our city. And if there are tensions and disagreements and feedback you want to give us, then please give it to us. Don't grumble amongst yourselves. Come and speak to us. We want to be undefended leaders. Sometimes I can be a bit defensive, just putting it out there. I have been told this. It's not true, of course. <laughs> it is true. Because we can, all be a, we can all be defensive, can't we? But we want to be undefended leaders. And if you've got feedback, if you've got criticism that is helpful, then we want to hear it. If you've got a complaint to make about something that you've seen or something that is not right in our culture, then we have a complaints procedure that you can access via our website, which goes not to us, it goes to a trustee. It goes straight to the trustee, and they will action it and investigate it. And you can do that anonymously. 
Because we want to be a place here where we have a great culture. There are too many churches that have toxic cultures. They have things that have been pushed under the, under the carpet, things that are ignored, or things that haven't been done well and processed well. So we take our culture, our safeguarding, really seriously. So just putting it out there. If you want to complain, go complain to the trustee. But talk to us if you've got feedback. Thirdly, and this is why I want to kind of circle a little bit longer, church is both a spiritual and a human community. It is both and. This is a spiritual place. This is a spiritual gathering. This is started by a spiritual person, Jesus. But it's also a very human place, made up of humans like us, with all our frailties and our brokenness and our good bits and our bad bits. We bring it all into the mix, don't we? But ultimately, it's Jesus' church. Jesus is building his church. We had a little picture of the church here. I just wanted to, I wanted to share it, for, especially for Saffron, because this is our picture of our student welcome week that we had a few weeks ago. We are heading into student, student zones. And, you know, we want the church to be like that, full of people that don't normally go to church, full of people who are visiting, getting a burger, getting a, a hot dog. But ultimately, we're not building the church, Jesus is. 1 Peter 2 says this. I think it's the next slide. Thank you. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. This is a spiritual house. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. Jesus is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Jesus is our cornerstone. And it's his church. He said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. This church is not Rob Scott Cook's. He is our founder, for those of you that might not know. This church is not Dave Mitchell's church. This church is not Rachel's church or Nigel's church or any of the leaders' church here. This church belongs to Jesus. It belongs to him. We belong to him. And he is going to build it. He has built it. He is building it, and he will continue to build his church. And nothing is going to come against that and stop him from doing it. The church ebbs and flows around the world. Things come against the church, and it might die down, and then it, then it grows somewhere else. Persecution comes. It limits what the church is doing. And then a few years later, the church expands and grows. It's bigger than ever before because Jesus will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Nothing is going to prevail against it. But also church is very human. It's made up of people like us. We are very human, aren't we? <laughs> I don't know what sort of morning you've had, if you've shouted at your kids yet, or kicked the dog, or you had a bit of road rage on the way to church, then got out of church and suddenly, ah, oh, hello everybody. You know, we are human. We're all a muddle and a mix-up of all that sort of stuff. But we need to organize ourselves and make sure that we have structure and process we want to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his thing, but we also have to be organized and make sure that we attend to things and attend to people and that everyone's cared for and that we do things well with excellence. But also there's grace and mercy in buckets full for everyone who is here. Because we're human and we're broken and God's at work in us, but he's not finished with us yet. And we're all in the same process. So we love Church Suite, just putting it out there. We love our volunteers. Stick your hand up if you volunteer in any way in this church. Stick your hand up. Come on, don't be shy. There's loads of you. You're all shy, aren't you? 
<laughs> There's loads of you that volunteer here. Thank you so much. There's loads of you that volunteer in the city, serving the city, blessing the city. Thank you so much. We need to kind of grow in our processes and our organization. It's very human. It's very gritty. It's very earthy. And we need to get better at it. But if we want to keep growing, we need to do the, the, in, the, that sort of stuff. Dave Mitchell says, you know, the formal supports the informal. We want to have good structures and good processes so we can allow the Holy Spirit to do his thing. They're not working against each other. We hold them in tension. It's both and. Secondly, Alpha is a great opportunity. You expect me to say this, don't you? I know. Alpha is a great opportunity to think of a, a very human thing, but also a spiritual thing. We hold the human and the spiritual intention. We want to organize a really great Alpha. We want everyone to know about it. We want everyone to invite their friends. We want to provide great food, great cakes, great atmosphere, great welcome, great registration, great directions, great T-shirts, great badges. But <laughs> Seriously, we want great badges. But also... We recognize it's only Jesus that changes people's lives. And we make space for the Holy Spirit on our Holy Spirit Day. We invite people to come and get prayer. Because we know that we can be a very organized machine, well-oiled, but that doesn't change people's lives. Only Jesus does that. Only the Spirit of God meets us where we are. We celebrate and work on the human, but we make space for the spiritual. It's Jesus' church. He's building it. We want our gatherings to be both deep, to make space for ministry, for the Holy Spirit, for preaching of the word, but we want them to be accessible so that if anybody walks through this door, like may have done this morning, completely brand new to church, never sat in a church before, they feel welcome. We want church to be a place for believers and unbelievers, for people that are been Christians for hundreds of, not hundreds of years, maybe a hundred years, maybe, but people who have never thought about faith before. Or maybe this week someone says something, oh, try church, and they've Googled it, and they've, they've come here. If that's you today, if you just walked in for the first time, we're so glad that you're here. And you are really welcome. We want our gatherings to be a place that everybody is welcome. Whether you're a person of faith or no faith. My neighbor came to church a couple of years ago. And um, I invited her to church. I'd been inviting her for ages. And then she came on the day that I was preaching. And I was like, oh no, that's just bad planning. But anyway, she sat in the front row and she smiled through the whole thing. She didn't really understand an awful lot of what I was saying. But she cried through most of the service. And I don't think it's because my preaching was terrible. I think it's because, because she just sensed something in this building. And as we drove home, I said, you know, the question, how, how, how did you find it? <laughs> Trying to be really casual and cool. She was like, oh, I really enjoyed it. There's lots, so many lovely people in your, in your church. I said, I just couldn't stop crying. And I said, do you know what? I think that's the presence of God. I think it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's doing stuff in us. We don't even know what it is. But when you encounter God, when you come into his presence, stuff begins to happen in us. Sometimes it's so deep, we don't really know what it is. We can't even give it words. But we want our place, we want this place, these services, to be a place where Christians can be fed and the word 
the Bible is unpacked and explained, but where people who are on a journey of faith who don't know Jesus yet are welcome and will think something is happening in this place that I want to find more about, find out more about. And as I finish, I just want to land on prayer. Because prayer is one of those places where we have to manage the tension, the both-andness of prayer. We pray because we're told to pray, we're exhorted to pray. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, pulling God's kingdom into the here and now. But also the reality and the tension of seeing unanswered prayers, of being disappointed that the prayers we prayed fervently with faith aren't answered in the way that we want them to be answered. Or maybe they take years for them to be answered. Or maybe they're answered like in a, in a minute. The prayer that you pray gets answered immediately. Like, wow, that's amazing. And then the other one doesn't get answered for ages and ages. And you're just, you kind of give up. There's a creative tension in prayer that we have to kind of be aware of. And know that it's part of the process, part of the mystery. And as we go into prayer week, and maybe you're thinking, oh, what can I do? Should I come to Tuesday night? Yes, come. Should I book into the prayer room? Yes, do that. Should I come in the early mornings and pray? Yeah, try it. What about my stuff? What about the stuff that I'm holding in me? The stuff that I'm afraid of, fearful about, my ill health, the difficulty at work, the relationships that are difficult, the stuff that I've been praying about for ages and I haven't ever seen breakthrough in. Keep stepping into the tension. He hears every prayer even when they're not answered in the way that you want them to be answered, he is working behind the scenes for your good. My most fervent answered prayer was the prayer that I prayed in the back of a police car on the way to hospital when one of my children was hit by a car. I prayed with faith. I prayed fervently. We prayed in the spiritual language. We, we were, the policeman was in the front. We didn't care. We just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. But they weren't answered in the way that we wanted them to be answered. And he didn't leave the hospital. And he didn't live. The most faith-filled prayer of my life wasn't answered in the way that I wanted it to be answered. There's a choice in that tension. Do I stop praying? Do I give up? Do I step away? Honestly, for a while, I felt like that was the answer. But the truth is no. Don't stop praying. Learn how to live in the tension. Be honest about the tension. Be honest about the pain. Be honest about the suffering. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. We walk with those that are walking in tragedy and darkness and in the valley. But we keep praying. We keep leaning in. We keep trusting Jesus. We keep asking for his kingdom to break in. And it will. And it does. Because that's what he does. That's what Jesus does. So the tension is not always comfortable. It's not always easy. But that's where we're, where we're called to live in. And that's where their creativity lies. That's where the power lies. Like that violin being played on, on Friday night. That's where the beauty comes out of the tension. Being able to navigate the tension. Play on the tension. Expect God to work in the tension. And that's the sort of church we want to be. We want to be a church that manages the tension, the both-andness, that we learn how to walk in it and live in it and expect God to break through and be in it. I'm going to finish now. But just a couple of things to, to say that maybe land on you as a response. You might be living in the tension of something right now. 
we would love to pray for you. We have a culture here of prayer, a culture that we believe that God is going to meet you. He may not answer your prayer right here, right now, but he is going to meet you as you reach out for him. If you're living in the tension right now, we would love to pray for you. There's going to be a team of us down here on the left. I'd love to pray for you, and the team here would love to do that. It may be that you're feeling like you've lost a bit of your saltiness. You, you know that God is calling you to be that salty person, potent, adding flavor, speaking into the mix of where God has placed you, in your workplace, in your family, in your community. We would love to pray for you. We'd love to bless you. And it may be that you're here and you just think, I've got a need. I just need prayer for this thing. Again, come and get some prayer. It is a bit awkward, just going to say, say the thing. You know, getting out of your chair and coming to the front can feel hard. But honestly, we've got to grab hold of stuff. Let's not be shy about asking God for things. He is our Father. He loves us. He wants us to come to him. Let's just pray as we finish. Father God, thank you that you are sovereign over the world and over our church, but you are also personal, loving, our Father, who wants to interact and answer our prayers and reveal his mercy in our lives. Help us as a church to navigate those tensions. Help us as a church to learn how to walk with you in that place. Help us as a church to grab hold of the good things you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen.